The following has been recorded at Cairn University. Any reproduction of this recording without the express permission of the university is prohibited. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. I only know a couple of you personally, but um, I pray for all of you quite often. So, um, we met at Camp Hebron, not Camp Hebron. <laughs> Just as a little correction there. No. Uh, so, anyway, the last time I spoke in chapel, some of you were here and some of you weren't, but I spoke last year, and you may remember, for those of you who were, I took the, uh, my newest hobby and used some lessons from that to, as a metaphor. It was my beekeeping hobby that I so much enjoyed. So I was a little tempted to actually go back to the beehive and find some more lessons and uh, expand a little more on that. But I decided I was going to do something different today. First of all, let me tell you what I'm not going to do. Um, this is a little warning. I'm not a Bible expositor. I'm not a preacher. Um, this is not really going to be a sermon. This, I want you to think of it more like a series of lessons, uh, life lessons, a little bit on the practical side today. Um, I want to share with you some lessons that I am learning, and hopefully you can take some nuggets of truth home with you. Um, notice I said learning. In no way do I want you to think that I have already learned all these lessons. I'm calling them truths from the trail, and I'd like to use backpacking, one of my other passions, um, to bring this the these themes and these truths to life. So, for the past 32 years, my husband and I have enjoyed spending lots of time in the wilderness with our kids. We've always been careful to let those experiences teach us valuable lessons, and then we would share them with Connor and Caitlin as well. And mostly as a family, we did wilderness canoe trips and fishing trips. In fact, when it comes to backpacking, my husband will have none of it. He doesn't like it. Since working at a camp, at Camp Hebron, he had to take teenagers on the Appalachian Trail. He calls it the green canopy, walking for miles with foliage just over top of you. And he said, what is the point? You don't even carry a fishing rod. So he won't do it. So I had to meet someone who could, and luckily I met my friend Paula Gossard. Some of you might remember her. I'm not sure. She's been gone for a few years. She used to teach sciences and some education courses here. Anyway, we started backpacking back in 2004. So we've been backpacking for about 16 years, and we go on a trip, I think, almost every year since then. So last summer was our most challenging trip that we've ever done together. We went to the Eagle Cap Wilderness in Eastern Oregon. Its nickname is the Alps of Oregon, and it's so named for its salt and pepper granite peaks. Um, it boasts 530 miles of trails and 15, or not 15, no, 50 breathtaking lakes. The peaks aren't as tall as the real Alps. The real Alps are like some 15,000 feet tall. These Alp, these Oregon Alps are between 3,000 and some of them are close to 9,000 feet. So still pretty good, pretty good climbing. Um, these are peaks that are nestled in the Wallawa, let me get that right, it's Wallawa Mountains. 
I encourage you all to go there at some point in your life. It is amazing. It's the best kept secret here in the United States. You know, you talk about like the Rockies and whatever. It's amazing. So in the past, Paula and I have actually gone on Cairn University's outdoor action trips to the Grand Canyon. Maybe some of you have heard about those. They were in the past. Um, we have not done those together at the same time. When you go to the Grand Canyon, your elevation gain is about, or actually you lose elevation first, then you gain it at the end. Um, you, your elevation change is about 5,000 feet. So it's a, it's a good climb. In our Eagle Cap Wilderness trip, we're, we're actually having an elevation change of less than 4,000 feet. So you think, oh, we got this. We've experienced this before, right? However, the little difference here is that we started our trip at 4,500 feet, and we're intending to climb to 8,400 feet. Now, Paula and I both live at a, about sea level, and um, we won't experience altitude sickness at 4,000 feet, no. But I'm going to tell you, with a pack on, you definitely feel it. You are climbing, and you have like a little feeling of shortness of breath. The pack feels pretty heavy. Um, experts say that at 8,000 feet, if you go there too quickly, which isn't a danger for us, um, but if you go there too quickly, uh, you can get altitude sickness. Now, our little loop was 36 miles, so we were going to do this eagle cap thing. Some is it's pretty much a walk in the park for most, you know, for really strong, rugged outdoor enthusiasts. And the rest of you, most of you, would probably have no problems. But you have to remember, we're old ladies. We're in our 50s. Okay, um, and we're not really specimens of like vigorous athletic prowess. Okay, so we're old. We're doing this, and it's it's definitely a challenge. Yet each year we are drawn back into the wilderness. We set out on these journeys, and they're characterized. This does this sound fun to you? They're characterized by steady plodding along long conversations. We solve all the world's problems. We dump each other's ter most terrible and inward thoughts out on each other. And then we play stupid mind games called favorites. You'd think after 16 years we would know what each other's favorites are by now. Well, you wonder what keeps these old ladies going back into the wilderness year after year. Do we like to punish our bodies? Do we like to test our fortitude? Do we want to carry everything we need for five days on our backs? The answer is yes. <laughs> we sleep on the ground. We listen to the wildlife prowl around our tent while we sleep. We improvise when it comes to using the bathroom. We have no idea why, but go we must. For years, we've joked about doing the whole Appalachian Trail through-hike thing as the oldest women on record. Right now, our current record is 74, so watch out 2035, here we come. <laughs> uh, we've planned many trips over the years, so you could say we are experienced planners. In fact, for Paula and I, planning is part of the fun. It's just in our nature. We, we actually love that part. We want to pick the place. We want to figure out the timing, how much elevation gain, how many miles can we do a day based on the terrain and the difficulty of where we're going. Is it a loop or is it an end-to-end -end where we have to arrange a shuttle? 
What kind of food is best? What temperatures are we gonna encounter? Are we gonna have the right gear with us? Do we have to plan on wildlife? Are the bears gonna take our food? What's, what do we have to do to plan? You get the idea. A successful trip for what, what you need for an successful trip is good planning. It is everything. Or is it? How many times have you made excellent plans only to have something completely upend those carefully plotted details. If you've done much recreation in the wilderness, you know that anything can happen. So you might emphatically say that the best you can hope for in the wilderness is to be able to go with the flow, roll with the punches, be adaptable. Adaptability is really the main thing. So this brings me to my first lesson that I want to explore. You like that verb, explore? <laughs> These two sentences are what, are at first glance, these two sentences are, an, an, excuse me, antinomy. Good planning is everything. Adaptability is the most important thing. Wait, you say, what's an antinomy? Ha, ah, an antinomy. You didn't know you were going to get a little lesson in philosophy here. Uh, a contradiction, real or apparent, between two principles or conclusions, both of which seem equally justified. In fact, there are lots of them in the Bible. So, for example, God is one, God is three. Uh, Jesus is man, Jesus is God. Okay, so I've found a few more. Mine are a little less theological and a little more practical, okay? So my first one is this one that I just introduced to you. Good planning ensures a successful trip. Anything can happen in the wilderness, so the key to a successful trip is adaptability. The idea here is that both are equally true. These two ideas have to exist in tension. They are supported by scripture and experience my experience. In my nature, the way I'm bent, it's easy for me to dive into that first one. Good planning ensures a successful trip. I love to plan. But for some of you, planning is a challenge. It doesn't come to you naturally. You might even tell yourself that if you do too much planning, it stifles your creativity or your spontaneity. You'd rather just roll with the punches and not think about the future and make a plan and prepare. You might even justify your approach saying that your Enneagram describes you this way. <clears throat> and you just have to embrace it, right? I suppose in some circumstances, the risks are lower and a casual approach might not be a problem. But it's Solomon tells us that other circumstances might be overwhelming and maybe even the difference between life and death. So let's go, let's consider what Solomon says in Proverbs 6, 6 to 8. He says, go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, ruler, or officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Here, he is observing the ant, and I can't help but wishing he had chosen the honeybee. <laughs> but 
Now, notice he's addressing his pupil, and he comes right out and uses a derogatory term. He calls him or her a sluggard. That's implying slothfulness or laziness. And this little ant requires no instruction. She knows just what to do. She needs she, what she needs to survive, and she does it. She is prepared. She works hard in her preparations. Some of us are that sluggard that Solomon is, is instructing. We are not taking life seriously. Planning seems tedious and boring, or maybe feels like a waste of time. Or, a little more seriously, maybe it's overwhelming. Solomon counsels us that it is obvious to the astute observer that preparation is a must. However, the opposite and equal saying is also true. What is the antinomy of Solomon's warning? It is anything can happen in the wilderness. So the key to a success successful trip is adaptability. So let's stick life in there where you see wilderness and trip, and instead it would read, anything can happen in life, so the key to a successful life is adaptability. This is the one that challenges me more deeply. Since I'm such a planner, I find myself struggling to go with the flow and when something upends my plans. I think this is what Paul was getting at when he said, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul is yielding himself to whatever circumstances God allows to come his way. My husband and I have had many instances of this idea in the wilderness. And we often say that the wilderness does not bend to you, you must bend your will to it. One time, and maybe some of you have heard this story before, but one time on a five-day canoe trip, we had a bear visit our campsite. We were at the furthest point out on our loop. He came in at night. He climbed a tree where we properly had our pack hanging up in the tree. He was able to climb that tree and take our food pack down. He ripped it to shreds and ate all of our food except for one tiny bag of instant mashed potatoes. And we had three, week, three days to go. Needless to say, we became very adaptable in our circumstances very quickly. Now, Paula and I had an experience this past summer in the Eagle Cap Wilderness. Despite all of our planning, we ended up having a difficult time finding the trailhead. We ended up on a different trail that took us to a mine shaft <laughs> and just ended. We had to actually backtrack. We lost three hours of precious time. And then we finally find the trailhead and we begin our ascent and we, we know we're already in trouble. We get to 6,000 feet and we realize that our pace is too slow and we are not gonna be able to finish this journey as we planned. The wilderness, and in this case our mistakes, required us to yield and bend our wills. We rerouted our trip which meant that we would not reach our goal of 8,400 feet and risk getting altitude sickness. We would have to forfeit our dream destination of getting to that basin of lakes 
that were supposedly this extraordinary, beautiful, pristine area that people travel to this area to get to. We made our new plan, one that we could do. We ascended a different mountain pass at 7,200 feet, and we dropped down into an amazing place called Hidden Lake. Can you see the panorama of what greeted us when we dropped off that pass into this area? Then this pretty serious storm came through with cold rain, and you can see those clouds hovering over there. Cold rain and wind. Then at night, it cleared, the moon came out, and then this is what greeted us in the morning. This breathtaking, beautiful, beautiful view. The splendor was amazing. We actually had a view of the highest peak in the area just right outside of our campsite door. So there's lots of observations I could make here, like when God reroutes your plans, he has a reason for it. Or there's another blessing in store. Or he's protecting you from something else. Or he wants to teach you a lesson. But most of these are pretty cliche. Most of the time, I really believe that God just wants us to learn to yield to his will. Some of us struggle here. If things don't go our way, I struggle here. We kick, we fight, we punch, we resist. Or maybe even worse, we just give up. Let's consider what James says in chapter 4, verses 13 to 15. Come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make profit, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. This antinomy is important. Clearly, we need to make plans and prepare. That's just being wise. But always with a yielded heart to whatever the Lord has in store. Whether the bear takes all your food or the mountain is steeper and more rugged than you prepared for, you must be willing to yield. Being in the wilderness has these, is one other antinomy I'd like to talk about. These two things also exist in tension. Being in the wilderness requires confidence. Okay, that's right, right? Being in the wilderness requires humility. The idea of confidence and humility is another antinomy, but as I think about it, it's actually embedded into the first one we were talking about. Good planners often have a, a lot of confidence. We feel capable. We feel prepared. It's like David when he decides to tackle Goliath. In 1 Samuel 17, it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, 
Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Huh. David's confidence is just exuding from his pores. At first glance, he almost seems cocky and arrogant. And maybe rightly so. His preparation happened when he fought off lions and bears. Even though he is not trained as a warrior, he is certain he is up to the task. And if we stopped right there, I could make a case for having sheer confidence. But let's read on. David has a context that gives his confidence merit. In verse 36, it says, Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. David's confidence is based on the idea that it's really God's hand that protects him, even trains him, even gives him the ability. His confidence is in God. That requires humility. And this goes back to the admonition in James when we say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. It's really in our attitude. This is the ultimate antinomy then. Planning and adaptability are skills we can, we can actually build on those. We can develop those skills. We can practice at, with diligence. We can get good at these. But we have to always check our heart's attitude. Is our confidence resting in ourselves? or our own skills, or our own experience? Or is it humbly resting on God's sovereign hand? Let's go a little bit deeper. You might even learn the skill of adaptability, but I'd like to challenge you that that doesn't automatically make you humble. In your adaptability, are you yielded to God in your thoughts and your will? Now, on a slightly lighter note, there's just one more truth from the trail that confronts me each time I go into the wilderness. And perhaps this is the real reason we keep going back. It has to do with the antinomy of doing something, something being hard and challenging, a difficult burden, a trial of sorts, and yet at the same time filled with joy and pleasure and reward. So even the backpack itself is part of this contradiction. If you've ever worn a 30-pound pack for several days, you know that on the second day, your shoulders ache, your hip bones feel raw underneath that waistband, your neck aches, your legs and thighs are sore and stiff, your feet feel like they grew two sizes, and yet this little burden, which does not feel little on that second day, is the key to your experiencing something that only a fraction of all humanity has ever been able to visit. You go to places like this, where the snow, even in August, lies in those ravines, where you see these amazing waterfalls tumbling down over the sides of mountains. This pain-inducing pack actually uh, carries the things you need for everything you need for living, and oh, the living, the mountain streams, the meadows with the profusion of flowers that just takes your breath away, the rocks, the sheer cliffs, the scree, the granite, 
I mentioned the rocks for Paula because she's a geologist and loves the rocks. I love the wildflowers. These are just a few of the joys and blessings we experience because we carry that burdensome backpack. And sometimes we have experiences that are just really kind of hard when we're out there. Um, I took a group of seven of us. Actually, in the very intro, you saw the picture of us all standing together. There was a mixture of a group from Cairn here. They, we went together. And we encountered some of the worst mosquitoes I have ever known. We called it Mosquito Alley. Um, some of us got ahead of the other only by sheer, out of sheer panic because we were running trying to get out of where this mosquito-laden area was. When I caught up with the rest of them, I found them standing on a little peninsula like across a, a, at a stream crossing. They all had their raincoats on with their, uh, them pulled closely around them like this because we couldn't get away from the mosquitoes. I can tell you that our swim in the river that night was never so sweet as it was that night after we got through those mosquitoes. For some of us who were very swollen, we had to wait until a couple days later to really appreciate the trial we went through. But I can tell you that the blessings of learning to endure something might, even though it might come a little bit later, is still very real. Paul says in Romans 5, 3, and 4 that we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and that endurance produces character. This antinomy of difficult physical, mental, and emotional challenges that are so intricately tied to blessing translates to real life. In the wilderness, the physical surroundings of beauty and the reward of accomplishing something difficult are real tangible rewards for the exertions and trials. But isn't this true in life as well? These truths from the trail are really time-tested truths from the Bible, and hopefully you can just take a nugget with you. And I do want to challenge you. Be a lifelong learner. Keep looking around for how God wants you to learn and grow even through these things that you encounter. That's one of the joys of being in the wilderness. And, and go visit someplace hard. <laughs>